0: episode 404, 404 of Global From Asia. We are going where you're treated best. <laughs> Andrew Henderson, Nomad Capitalist. This is a great one about cross-border business and tax, fun stuff. Let's do this. Welcome to the Global From Asia podcast, where the daunting process of running an international business
1: is broken down into straight up actionable advice. And now, your host, Michael Michelini.
0: Thank you so much for choosing to listen to or watch this show. And I am in my studio office. I think, I'll show you right now, it's been, I'm, I'm using a tripod today, if you're watching, I know a lot still listen, but you can see I got the background for the Web3 handshake stuff, we did some shows, of course the cross-border summit here. You know, I got all these samples of different products and brands we're working on, and various studio stuff, and the balcony. So, just showing you a little bit of a 360 of the studio here. Let me sit back down. And you know, we, we did this as a live webinar with Andrew Henderson. He's been at a cross-border summit pre-COVID. He's uh, supporting the cross-border summit again, this time, getting somebody from his team comment. Also he's doing the Nomad Capitalist live event before cross-border summit, which will be September 6th to the 9th in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. I'll be going. I'm excited for that. And today we show you the recording from this live webinar. I we had a lot of fun. If you're on our email list, you should get this invite or following our social media. We had a lot of fun. Discussions, I know fun and taxes doesn't sound like it, but Andrew knows so many different things and he shares a lot of different insights So we bring him on today and you can see me there if you it'll be a video He did have slides, but I think if you're listening in audio only You'll be fine to hear it because he's speaking what he's talking about and you'll be able to follow along fine in the audio version so let's tune into this show episode 404 of global from Asia and Let's dive in Alright, we have Tommy, the sales manager at Cross Better Logistics. How are you, Tommy? Hi, how are you? We just got to meet here in Shenzhen, China. It's great. Uh, they support the show at Global From Asia, and we also use them ourselves for many of our brands and e-commerce businesses. And Tommy really cares. They always are uh, try to help us save money. You know, not you have some products you keep for us in China. You have some products you keep for us in the U.S. warehouse. And uh, I really appreciate that. And you'll, you can talk to the seller, right? You can give them your advice. You work with many Chinese sellers a lot, right? And uh, you can help um, help the sellers understand more. Yeah, we are very professional for the shipment to USA and Canada. Also, we have a warehouse in USA and Canada. We can help our uh, factories, suppliers, sellers for the shipment. Yeah, yeah, for yes. the e-commerce business yep and you even keep stuff uh, in china too so sometimes if you have the limitations of uh, sending too much to amazon you can keep it here in china with with uh, cross better, or you can send it, of course to the u.s warehouse they have many different options and they're always trying their best to find uh find out what's the best solution for you. So yeah. definitely talk to Tommy, talk to Cross Better, and thank you for your uh, support of the community. Yes, we have good pricing and better service. Yes. Thank you. Thank yeah. you so much. All right, how's everybody doing? Can you hear me put a, put a little one where you're dialing in from or what, what time it is where you are? I hope the time works for everybody. Andrew, you're in, you're in the Europe time. I don't know if I could say your location. You're in Ireland, right?
1: I'm in Istanbul.
0: Istanbul. Whoa. So exotic. That's exotic.
1: Exciting time. <laughs> yeah, good to good to good to be with you here. So I'm sure we got people from all over Asia. And uh, yeah, there's there's a few in Thailand.
0: I think there's some in Europe too. I see Andrew here, Austin, Shane. Oh well. Wow. Some regulars. How's everybody doing? And uh, Sally's here in the back in the community management. Okay, great. Joan doing good. Okay. Okay. So tax planning. All right.
1: Sounds um, exciting. Well, We're going to make it exciting. Yeah.
0: It is, you know, I, I like to go where you're treated best. That's your slogan, man. I, I right I'm right. a fan of, you know, you're also supporting the cross border summit. I appreciate it. You've, you've spoken there in the past and uh, you know, representing for us this year and you have a great event coming up too in September, which is going to be awesome, but go where you're treated best. I, I always think about that. I always think about your book and, and your, uh, your experiences and your, your, you're, you're always the, you know, your post. you're always looking for where you're, you know, it's not what, you know, like what's that saying from like Rome? It's not what you, or is it a gladiator movie or Braveheart? Like you think he's, you know, Mel Gibson says, you think you exist to, the, the, the people exist to serve you, you know, to the politicians. Right. Simpson. But I yeah. think you exist to serve the people, right? But like these right. governments and politicians, they think that we have, are like stuck in their system and we are like, but we are customers of that country, right? As a, as a, as an individual, as a citizen, we are a customer and they need to serve us and attract us, right? You know, that's, that's the way it. That's well, and way I think is. That's,
1: that's what we talk about, right? And so I, I, I figured we'd have maybe 45 minutes of going through a handful of slides and sharing what's happening on how you can go where you're treated best. Because I think, you know, to your community, to this, you know, cross-border community, there are so many opportunities to choose the place that serves you best. I am spending, you know, I've spent time in Asia. I continue to have a presence in Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia. For me, I found that to meet some people to kind of go to the next level, I wanted to be in a, in a kind of native English speaking country. And so I've chosen to spend some time in Ireland. They have a great program in Ireland for foreigners where you're gonna pay more tax than you might in Malaysia, but you're gonna pay, you know, a lot less percentage if you're a successful person, you're gonna pay basically on only part of your income that you spend in Ireland. And so you can kind of arbitrage it because I think that they in the UK and Malta and Cyprus and countries that have that kind of tax system, that's a remittance-based tax system, realized if you're from Ireland, all right, we're gonna stick it to you. You're gonna pay 52%. But if you're not, historically, the logic was, let's have a reason for people to come here and be competitive. Right. If I had to pay 52% tax on everything I made by living in Ireland, I wouldn't go to Ireland. Instead, I can go there. I can spend money. I can, you know, we're hiring 10 people there, perhaps, for sales and marketing. And anyway, we'll get into that today. I mean, but, yeah, let's get it.
0: Yes, yeah, I think. But
1: where are they attracting you, right? I mean, I think that there's places where they think, oh, well, you should just come here because. I mean, there's so many options these days. I and mean, if you live in Thailand, you probably wouldn't have lived in Thailand 30 years ago. Like your parents would not have probably thought that was a place that could be lived in. Now it That's can true. be. So are the countries keeping up? And where are you going?
0: Makes sense. Great. We got a good turnout. So do you want questions? I mean, there's, they can't do voice, but they can, of course, text questions. Do you want me to collect them for the end? Or would you want, I'll kind of, I'll hang out here, Andrew, and
1: I'll maybe hang out. I think maybe I'd like to go through six or seven slides and spend 40 minutes going through some issues, I think, at a surface level. I mean, we could probably spend three days. And, and actually, as you mentioned, yeah, that's true. We're, we're having a live event where it's four days. And unlike any other, I think your event's pretty, pretty solid. But, I mean, unlike most events I go to, our live event is like, I think one day, is 8 in the morning to 11 at night. Wow of speakers, I mean, with a few breaks, but not like three hour long breaks, it's solid. And so that's where we talk about how to do all this stuff and we'll talk about that maybe for five or 10 minutes at the end. I know you have a special deal for your folks, I I just wanted to spend 40 minutes kind of talking about the stuff that we do that might be of interest, pure information, spend five or 10 minutes talking about some things people can take advantage of and then take a couple of questions that we can accrue over the, the session, if that works for you.
0: Great. Great, so the audience can use the FAQ section. Q&A will be easier for everybody, and then it will keep track, but I'll try to help if not. But uh, yeah, Andrew, take take it away. I can't wait to hear this myself.
1: Basically, I wanna cover these things. Challenges we're facing, I think, to an entrepreneurial audience like this one, we'll spend a little bit less time on that. I think we know what those are, and we know we can push through those things. Actionable tactics you can use to start protecting and growing your wealth, keeping more of your wealth. Some people call it the new world order. Maybe some of that has a kind of conspiratorial element. To me, the new world order is very simple. You guys are part of it. You know, you're sourcing stuff in Asia. Obviously, Mexico is becoming a good big place for sourcing stuff now. I'm looking at countries like Indonesia as playing a much bigger role. If you look at the economic rankings, let's say I think it was 2033 and 2038, you're going to see countries like Indonesia, Nigeria, Brazil, China, India moving up the ranks. We all perhaps have experience with those places, but the average person doesn't. And you're seeing, for example, Since the turn of the century, the amount of uh, the world reserves that were in U.S. dollars have gone down by about 15 percentage points from 73, I think, to 56 or 71 to 56. You know, the U.S. dollar, the United States is not going away. But I think you're going to see the places where some of the people here are doing business, sourcing, living are going to play a bigger role. And that's going to eat at the margins away from the power in the West. And that's why I think that having a plan, if you're from the West, Protect yourself is a good idea. I took some flack for this, but I stand by it. My interpretation of what's happening in Australia is they're going to start really trying to rope more people who don't live there into their tax system. And that if you're living a digital nomad lifestyle, they are turning the screws to make it harder for you to not pay tax in Australia. It's not quite what the United States does to its citizens. But I think that as these countries have marginal declines in tax revenue and things like that, from people like us who go somewhere else where we're shopping around for the best deal. They're going to make it harder to leave. And so I left the United States many years ago. I gave up my citizenship for a number of reasons. You don't have to go to that extreme, but I think that that could be something, some version of that could be something that's worth doing if you're from the West, because when they, they start to lose a percentage point here, a percentage point there, as you've seen with the U.S. dollar, for example, I imagine that they'll just make it harder to diversify overseas we'll talk about integration we'll talk about tax savings so obviously you know a couple quick challenges some of you may have seen kind of flag theory that i think we've modernized at now capitalist being reliant on just one government during covid you know mike and i were talking about this before the, the session if you had a u.s passport you weren't going anywhere if you had an australian passport you weren't leaving and you weren't going home that to me is a problem and it's in some cases against like what the un everyone agreed to so if you're just reliant on one passport, one bank account had a guy recently had all of his money frozen, it took him six months to get it unfrozen, but he couldn't even defend himself in that time. A passport you have, we had a guy who got a bunch of different weird passports, including some in the Caribbean, just people to travel and do his, his work in Asia because the US and some of the, like in Malaysia, I think it was, it's like, if the number of COVID cases in your country is too high, you can't come here. Well, obviously there's gonna be fewer COVID cases in St. Lucia than the United States. So he was going and getting these different passports and he found even though five of them could get into South Korea where he had some business, only one was actually allowed into South Korea during COVID. So having multiple passports could be a good thing to talk about if you're in business and you need to do business. I do think tax rates go up. I do think that CBT, which is what's called citizenship based taxation. If you're an American, you're taxed no matter where you live now. If you've got a foreign spouse, if you've got a foreign business partner, you may be able to reduce that tax down to zero. If you're a business owner, you may be able to reduce it down to the single or low double digits. If you're not a business owner, when I see people doing business in Asia, living in Asia, and they're still working from a USC corp or US LLC, I, I shudder. You want to have your structure overseas if you're overseas, but still where you're from is potentially an issue uh, if your country taxes you or if Australia now says, Hey, you got to really live in one place and be a tax resident there. Even if you don't come back to Australia, we're going to start looking very unpleasantly at somebody who's all over the place. So that's an issue. Diversification is important. Again, maybe this doesn't apply to this audience, but I think that most people don't want to leave as long as I think it should say things are good. We had people in Canada who were freaking out last year about what was happening there, where they were freezing people's accounts. And by the time it came to deliver or to execute on the solutions that we put together in the course of three to four weeks, they felt better about it. I think it's kind of like, you know, if you're in a relationship and and, and your partner, you know, punches you in the face, you know, it's probably not gonna get better. You know, like that's gonna happen again. And I think the same thing applies with countries, which is why you don't wanna be reliant on just one. So those are some of the issues we'll talk about. I do think when it comes to having a citizenship, this is gonna be a fulcrum not for people who are necessarily from non-Western countries, but for people who are from Western countries. So the US again, if you run a business, you can reduce your taxes to zero, five, 10, 12%, whatever it may be. Now you're gonna have restrictions on how you spent the money. So when I gave up US citizenship, I did not do it for this reason, but suddenly I was able to access a lot of money that was tied up in my companies. And so i went out and you know bought a few pieces of real estate and built some diversification that would have been much more difficult as an american you know if you buy a property in turkey you're supposed to buy it in your own name generally you shouldn't buy it in a corporate structure but that's what i would have had to do if i were an american so you know being out of the u.s tax system allowed me to you know take more money to my company and have more control even though i was legally paying nothing for all those years or very close to nothing because I didn't live in the United States at all. The citizenship dictated how I made investments. I still have a property in Malaysia that nobody understands why it's owned by a foreign company. And it's like a lot of hassle every year, but it was done for US tax planning. And if I wanna move it to a different, you know, if, if I wanna own, move it to my own name, it's gonna cost like $10,000 and a lot of paperwork, and a lot of hassles, and you gotta pay a lawyer $4,000. And it's just like, all right, leave it there. and have the finance team be confused every year. So I think that, you know, with we see Australia being more aggressive on what you need to do in order to exit their tax system if you've lived there, again, reasonable minds can disagree, but I think that all of our tax professionals say, if you're gonna be a digital nomad, it's gonna be hard to be out of the Australian tax net. I think Canada has made rumors in that same direction. The UK, not as much. Ireland, not as much, because they've got a history of emigration. But these kind of further flung, more isolated countries like U.S. and Canada, not a lot of neighbors, Australia, New Zealand, not a lot of neighbors have really talked about if you leave, we, we want to still tax you. Or in the U.S., we want to still regulate you, who you can do business with. What if you saw like TikTok? Trump wanted to make them sell it to uh, you know, an American company. You know, yeah, what happens when you the go past yeah. What's that? I think it was Microsoft,
0: maybe? That, to sell and, and Walmart, and to I think, to or something. Yeah, they're all jumping at buying TikTok US. Yeah.
1: So it's like, I mean, do I want to be an American if I'm doing business in Asia, where I think some countries like Malaysia have said we were an ally of the US, but what have they done for us? Remember, the old prime minister was like, What have they done for us? And then they just come and lecture us. I don't know that I want to be an American if I'm in Asia. I'd like to have another passport that I can have my residence on. I mean, it's obviously very hard if you're not yeah. from Asia to be an Asian citizen. I'd rather be like St. Lucian in Asia. They're like, All right, cool, whatever. Or if I could be, even if I had like, you know, if I had a grandparent from Ireland and I could become an Irish citizen, I'd rather be that than American or British or Australian, where it's like these wars and the geopolitics. I think it could be an issue.
0: Yeah, like they sent extra six billion or whatever to that Ukraine, I heard <laughs> in the US, right. something like that. That's what One I mean. Billion or...
1: I don't want to do the New World Order like a conspiracy thing, but if you look at, I mean, I sent extra guy from India on a plane, I don't know six nine months ago he was like so anti-ukraine so pro-russia and i think whether you like it or not that's a good chunk of the world either he's that or they don't care this idea that we live in the western bubble whether we live there or whether we just consume western media we hear certain things that's a very small percentage of the world's population again i mean what you are doing in asia it's a huge population there that is maybe opposed to the west. So if I've got a western passport for geopolitical reasons, for business reasons, for travel reasons during a pandemic, for you know these trade issues that people get into as the western countries become more nationalistic and try and push back, or just because I think that my western country as they lose some power is going to want to start taxing me even if I don't live there. You know, I would I would consider having another passport. I think 3 is kind of like ideal. If you can get two that's kind of like having one because there may come a time when one is an actual hindrance on you if you're willing to move to asia that's not going to be very good for getting a passport singapore i don't know a single person has been naturalized there it's really hard most of the other countries don't allow dual citizenships that's kind of like stepping from one frying pan to the other i guess cambodia has a citizenship scheme but that's probably not going to be i mean i guess that could be your backup passport for working within southeast asia And if that's all you wanted, I know a guy who did that, but that's probably not going to be, it's not going to replace your Western passport for traveling. So if you're willing to move to Europe, um, Ireland's a good tax friendly place to live. You already speak the language. If you're here, it's five years. I think they actually deliver on that five years on like countries like Malta, where they say it's five years and it's really 18. So (laughs) Ireland, Ireland's a tax friendly English speaking place to live where if you wanted to employ yourself and one other person, or if you're a European citizen, you could just move there. You know, you could work towards getting that citizenship. They allow dual, it's a nice place to be, but it's a commitment. It's nine months a year, maybe the few exceptions for travel. If you're willing to move to Latin America and speak Spanish, they're pretty easy. The easier thing, if you have the funds is just, you know, go the route that I did. You can get Caribbean citizenship starting from hundred thousand dollars. No need to move there. They are introducing an interview requirement. So they're putting some more roadblocks which to me shows exactly what we said the u.s went down and bullied them and said you need to interview people first some of these options are going to become less and less available because i think that the u.s is leading a contingent of western countries that's tired of people having options i think that's pretty clear in their communications so you know i i would look at that as something to do now if i had a hundred thousand dollars in change to spare if I wanted to buy a property, you said it's kind of exotic to be in Turkey. It's now $400,000. You buy a property. Erdogan got reelected, so they're going to keep doing it. You buy a property for four hundred. dollars you, you keep it for three years. You resell it, and you keep your citizenship. It's not going to replace a Western passport, but they're neutral, for example, in Ukraine versus Russia. They're not going to have any ability to tax people from their country no matter where they live. They don't really care. you know. So I think that you know, Turkey is something for certain people who are doing business in the East. I mean, Turkey is a great passport for Asia, better than almost mm. any other. You can go to yeah. Thailand visa free. You can go to Japan visa free. It's just not as good with the West. But if you're here and your business is in Asia, I would look at a Turkish passport if you have money to invest in real estate. So you're not really spending a lot. I mean, what we do for our clients is find properties that are at market value. If you buy a condo that they're advertising at the airport, you're probably going to lose half your money when you go to resell it. But if you buy a resale property, it's not from a developer and you know the right people, you can probably get it pretty close. And my property in about two years, two and a half years has gone up 30% or something in dollar terms, not in lira terms, but in dollar terms. In lira terms, it's like 4X. And nice. if you want, you can get citizenship for you and your entire family something like if you if you didn't want to change your lifestyle, you want to live in asia keep your american australian european passport whatever look at something like caribbean passport by investment you can read about that on our website nomadic turkey would be another one that i think is very asia friendly now you got three now you've got a big strong country you've got a very small tiny country that's tax friendly and you've got your western country that who knows what they're going to do to you if you want to move i like ireland Argentina, I guess, could work. That's a little weird. It's not that tax friendly. So we could go into this all day, but those are some considerations. Does that make sense, Mike?
0: Definitely. No, this is really great. So, Istanbul, um, Turkey, 400k real estate. Do you have to? Do we have to live there? And he said the whole no. family could.
1: We had a we had a billionaire who hired us. He's like, listen, every time I get on my jet, it costs me 300 grand. So well, I'm doing everything power of attorney. He said, okay. He's never. I don't think he's ever been to Turkey. Oh, okay. Most That's most great. people come to choose the property. You know, you can come for two or three days. You know, <laughs> around. It's a nice
0: place. I heard it's great. I've never been, but I've heard it's great. Uh,
1: I love it. And by the uh, way, if you're in Europe, or the U.S. or wherever, and you're also in Asia, for me, I think Turkish Airlines is the best. And so, if I'm going from Bogota to Kuala Lumpur, I fly through Istanbul one stop, and I'll hang out for a couple of days and like take the take the heat off of. You know, a thirty-hour flight, right? Do some shopping on the cheap, you know, whatever. Okay. So I think I yeah, think we no, want. I, I would look at if I'm a Westerner. This historical thing has been: I have the best passport. I've got a great passport. Now, the American passport on our Nomad passport index was like number forty this year. Not terrible, amount of two hundred, but not number one, because of some of those restrictions. I think you'll see more of the big Western countries having restrictions. I'd want to have another passport. If I'm willing to move, I'm big on Ireland right now because they're the one that delivers on their promises. And there's not a lot of, you know, it's it's close to home. There's plenty of wealthy people you can network with. There's business opportunities. It's easy enough to get in and they honor their word. And it's, it's, and it's the one EU passport you can still live in the UK with. Latin America, if you want to do that, you're learning a new language. If you don't want to move or if you want to move to Asia where you're not going to probably get naturalized, then I would go to my financial strategy of caribbean citizenship plus or and or turkey i would not do vanuatu unless i'm like a criminal or something they've got a passport program i wouldn't do that
0: i never even heard of that as a country vanuatu
1: vanuatu is in the south pacific if you're from australia or new zealand you probably you know it's two or three hours away (laughs) vanuatu yeah yeah that was like shorthand in my house growing up for like a place that was really far away you went to vanuatu
0: interesting i always remember uh, you know uh, tanzania
1: no well that's 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 no that's that's easy compared to vanuatu vanuatu who's here from australia there must be some australians here i
0: i see one q a joan she says she's from australia she's asking and she doesn't seem to know about her taxation thing there's a couple that's clarifying about what you're saying But, uh, but yeah there's at least a couple here from australia i think shane i don't want to Call people out, but We, I know we, some
1: people. we put a video on our YouTube channel a couple of weeks ago, and of course, you know, as with all things tax, somebody said no. He said, people said, oh, he's talking about something that's existed for years. They changed the rules on June 7th. Now, technically, the rules are how you're supposed to file and if you want to sue the com- – it's, it's complicated stuff. But, like, basically, if you just want your life to be easy and if you just don't want to avoid hassles and lawsuits with the tax man, Australia has basically unified some rules to where people who have no – Proper tax home somewhere else are going to be more easy to drag into the Australian tax net. And so I said that's a form of citizenship based taxation in the sense of if you don't live the way, if you don't, if you, even if you leave, if you don't leave the way they want you to leave, they may still tax you in Australia. Oh. So for me, I never went back to the US. There were, there were the years I was there, zero days, and yet I still had to pay. Australia, if you're yeah. going to say, I'm moving to Singapore and I'm living in Singapore, you'll find me there then yes, you'll still be off the hook. But if you're going to be like, I want to go here and then go there and go here. And I don't know. I don't really pay taxes anywhere. Australia has tightened the noose on, okay, we'll tax you. It it. used to be, all right, you're never really here. All right, fine. At some point, all right, we we give up. And now they're like, well, no, like if you're not paying somewhere that you actually live, we should tax you. Will that change? Will it be adapted? Will it be reinterpreted? But that was kind of the unification of three tax rules on June 7th. Everyone has a little bit of a different, different opinion, but obviously, what we do is international tax. Most people's local accountants have no idea about international tax, it's, and then they try and say, "No, true. you know, you know what you're talking about." You've seen this, right? I mean, they don't. Yeah, they know I've seen it all the
0: time. Yeah, most most accountants or bookkeepers they know their con- the country they work in and they and then the cross border like between two countries they never know. They say, "I just know mine. I don't know that one." Right? That's what most I it, I had
1: one of the top tax firms where I lived in Phoenix, Arizona, for domestic stuff. They were not they were not cheap. But when I moved overseas, even the simplest thing, like the foreign earned income exclusion, where Americans can take well, it's about $10,000 a month this year, tax free from a company before you even have to get into the corporate structuring. They did not even know. They're like, you don't qualify because you don't have, I think in that case, like you don't have a tax on. I was a digital nomad. So Americans actually benefit. Americans can still be digital nomads. Because they still are always taxed by the U.S. They just get to spend less time in the U.S. as a digital nomad. They get like one month a year basically versus maybe three months a year if you have a fixed home. Australia is basically kind of unifying. And nobody ever – oh, I didn't hear about the newspaper. They say this is going to apply to like a few thousand people. It's not going to be front-page news. I mean in the U.S. when Trump passed a sweeping tax reform a few years ago, it got a lot of news. I never saw a single article about how individual people like you and I, Mike, we're going to be swept into that tax system with transition tax and with an ongoing tax. It changed the tax code for individual Americans operating overseas because it treated everybody the same as it treats Apple. Mm -hmm. And not not a word was printed about that anywhere in the media ever. Nobody even knew it existed. People said, how dare you don't like America first? And i finally met doug casey the international man at our event in 2021 he said yeah trump was bad for expats not a single word was printed about it because who i mean how many of guys like us are there that's true that
0: it's like taxation without representation they say almost right because we're 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 americans overseas nobody's listening to us you know like i go back to america i haven't been back since 2018 february you know i entered a country and they, they they say why don't i live here what am i doing they, and they like make me feel like a terrorist man I had, they're like I had a guy scary was... right they're like scary to me i'm like man I, i'm not doing anything wrong
1: yeah. i i had a i had an immigration attorney and i shared this story for my friend he lives in a he was in thailand he went back and they said we're putting him in a room he said what why am i being detained for three hours he, they said we think you might have child pornography And I was talking to the immigration attorney, but I said, oh, yeah, they have this thing like people who live in, like, Thailand. Like, they think that, like, that's why they're in Thailand or the Philippines is one, too. Like, they have this impression. And they just screw with people. And so, like, what a great privilege to be a citizen, pay tax. And when you go home, you know, they think you're a child pornographer. Yeah. Pretty pretty insulting to other countries.
0: It's It's really scary. Yeah
1: couple ways you can get a second citizenship. I mean, if you can qualify by descent, and we've had a lot of Australian clients, for example, who were had Greek ancestry. Uh, so by descent, I mean, if your parents are from some country, in almost every case, there's a few exceptions, you can be a citizen of that country. So if your mother was born in Canada, she's Canadian by default, you should be able to go and apply. Grandparents in many cases great-grandparents in a number of cases, and now some countries even go even further back. Like, if you have ancestors, as long as Italy existed, you can go back. Man, you gotta I help have... me back.
0: I couldn't get it for Italy. I, Cause I don't, I don't want to Probably because somebody,
1: but... somebody gave it up before the next one was born.
0: Yes, my grandfather came to Ellis Island, you know, for the American dream, and uh, became an American citizen before my father was born. I went to the Italian embassy yep. in New York City. And I went through all the paperwork. I had all his birth certificates from Italy yep. and all this stuff. They're like, oh, nope, can't do it. Your
1: grandfather's broken. Because back then there was no real dual citizenship. You became an American and then you kind of like forfeited the other one. And so they're like, well, so then when your father was born. They're like, but well, there was nothing to give him. Right. But if you can prove that it, it was, it was always, it always should have passed along. You can get it. Listen, my ancestor. I just, after nine years, by the way, I just found like, put the final nail in the coffin i can't get lithuanian which is eu so you know if i'm eu i can live anywhere in the eu i can travel anywhere in the world pretty much you know it's basically the same as spanish or italian or whatever else because they left two years early and also apparently because they were jewish so it's like oh great but if you have someone from your family tree, it's worth evaluating. We do this for folks. We'll check your. Maybe uh, I need this. the
0: other. The other one I'm trying. Or I haven't tried so hard. Is my yeah. my uh, I, I have Russian descent. My 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 father's, my father's mother is Russian. My grandmother, and uh, they said that. that. They said that she was a Jewish. I never knew her. She, but my friend says if I go to Israel and prove that my grandmother was Jewish, I can get Israeli passport.
1: So obviously both of those have a certain toxicity to them, I suppose. Israel's kind of cracking down and wanting you to spend time and live there, and that's pretty tax unfriendly if your goal is tax savings. I mean, Russia, obviously, I mean, they're really giving people a lot of problems. My sisters were all adopted from Russia, and it's for the first time what? ever I'm like, eh, maybe don't get your passports. So yeah, check your family tree. We we can talk offline, but check your family tree. Okay, sure. I mean, yeah, some- yeah. yeah. Some of them, like the UK, it's basically just like you have to have a parent, but some of them go back four generations. The big okay, ones would be great. Europe and also Latin America and the Caribbeans. We had a guy who was Trinidadian. We had, you know, Barbadian. We had actually a guy from St. Kitts and Nevis. So option number two is you can go to St. Kitts and Nevis and give them $150,000 and they give you citizenship. It's a pretty good passport. You're not going to the U.S. or Australia with it, but you can go most other places. Again, I think if you're living in Asia, doing business in Asia, that's probably going to be more accepted in the years to come. And they're not going to tax you because St. Kitts doesn't tax people who live in St. Kitts, let alone their own citizens. So, mm. I mean, that's what, you know, citizenship by investment, you can make a donation or Turkey's the one where if you do it properly, you can actually make it an investment by buying real estate or by putting money in the bank for three years. And then you can get it out of your investment. And again, if you're willing to move, then you can naturalize by getting residents in. Again, I think Ireland's a good one. A lot of countries in Europe deliver, but they don't have the mix of tax friendliness, English speaking, you know, I mean, if you move to Germany, it's eight years, soon to be five years, but there's, you know, restrictions on dual citizenship. You have to learn German to a very high standard. Like you have to adapt, like, you know, Ireland to me or Latin America are the ones if you're willing to move, don't count on Asia. You, you had a program which might be coming back, actually, we just heard this week in Portugal. If you're not a European citizen, you can invest in the golden visa. We'll see what the options are. It'll be somewhere in the mid-six yeah. figures. You spend a week there. You learn Portuguese to a basic standard. And in five years, you apply for citizenship. Here's the challenge on why I'm speaking highly of Ireland. I've been waiting two and a half years to get my Portugal golden visa. I did my biometrics, and they're just taking their time. So it's kind of like hard to put your faith in that. Cyprus had a program like a lot of countries have closed their programs in the wake of the war do I think it's a huge vast conspiracy that they want to shut down your options not entirely but I think that the US has been on record saying we don't like people having so many options so Caribbean you donate money you get citizenship in six months do you need that right now only if you're an American and you want to not be an American. But I think if you can afford it, if that's like 5% of your income or 10% of your income or 5% of your net worth, it wouldn't be the worst thing to do. I've gotten five different passports besides the U.S., which I got rid of. And I can tell you it's come in a lot of handy for traveling during COVID, for doing business, for getting residence permits issued, for just avoiding bureaucracy in some countries where the U.S., for example, would have caused that, for keeping taxes low. I don't think any of my countries are going to follow me around the world and tax me. Because I don't live. If I don't live there, if I live in the country, maybe they'll tax me. But if I don't live there, they won't. And so, I put less credence in Europe these days, outside of Ireland, by descent, by investment, or by moving. That's how I would do it. If you have any quick question, we can go through one, a quick question on that, and then we'll go through kind of the tax side. If you, if um, there's
0: actually quite a bunch of good questions, but I don't, I don't want to inter- interrupt you. But we got okay. about five. We'll go
1: through minutes. it, and then we'll sure. So I think that's what I would be doing on the preventive side. If I'm an American and I don't wanna be an American at some point, and I just think, I mean, we had a client, he just wants to only be in Asia. You don't need a great passport to be able to travel around Asia. You get a residence permanent one, Turkish passport, you can pretty much get into every country as a tourist. Or you know, Grenada or Dominica, you can go to China without a visa, for example. So maybe that's the passport they have if you're always going to China. Armenia, if you're Armenian descent, we've helped people get that, you can go to China serbia might be opening up a fast track if you want to move to serbia for a year let's see if they pass the law you could potentially <laughs> without learning serbian get serbian citizenship now you can go to china for free all Maybe. good passports to consider having that's the preventative side if i'm australian british dutch whatever i you know if i can have a second passport dutch can't but if everyone else i can i can you know i want to have that preventative piece and so you know if i can if i can pay You know, some thousands of dollars to get my, you know, passport through my ancestry, that's a slam dunk. When it comes to six figures, low six figures, obviously that requires a bit more belief. But I think that, you know, we had a guy who had four Western passports. When Trump passed this law, he had two weeks to decide if he wanted to be a US citizen or not. And he struggled. And, you know, I don't want someone to be in a situation. I mean, he didn't have, he struggled making the decision. Everyone else couldn't make the decision because they didn't have a second passport. And so I think he ended up paying like a million dollars more than he, should, he could have, you know, by, by being more prepared. And so I would be prepared because I think you can see higher taxes. How do you reduce your taxes to begin with? It's what I call the tax-free or tax-friendly quadrant. So there's four conditions. Two of them are based on you. Two of them are based on the business. Two of them are based on leaving. Two of them are based on arriving. So you need to figure out where you're leaving on the personal side. So that's where the Australian piece or the U.S. piece comes in. If you're an Australian citizen, I think the trend pretty soon is going to be you need to leave. You need to find a place you're going to live at least six months a year and pay tax. Now, if you live in Dubai, for example, paying tax means you don't pay tax, but you're liable for tax according to Australian standards. And then you need to keep your time in Australia minimum. If you're German, for example, it's a little bit easier, but there's still a lot of boxes to check. Canada, there's like 66 different boxes you you should consider checking or at least check most of them that, hey, I'm out for Canadian purposes. So you need to figure out when you're leaving. You also need to figure out where your business is leaving. I talked to a guy the other day. He left the UK, but the business is still there. And then he thought he still had to pay personal tax because his business was still there. They're different. If you've got a company in the UK, it's going to pay UK tax. But if you don't live in the UK, according to the standards, you don't pay personally. I can start a company in the UK, and it will be taxed the same as any other UK company or a US C corp. If you're, you know, raising venture funding, people go and set up Delaware C corps. They pay tax. That's a US tax nexus. An LLC is different. But if you have a corporation in one of these com- countries, it doesn't mean you have to pay tax personally if you no longer are liable. But ideally. If you don't need that business in the UK, why wouldn't you move it out? Because most people have a business in Australia or the US because they live there, and that's just what you do. But if I'm going to be doing business online, why isn't my company in Hong Kong or a free zone in the UAE? Or I don't think Singapore is attractive. I guess Labuan in Malaysia for some people is interesting, but you know Hong Kong is probably a good one if you think China's all right. And I think maybe there's a geopolitical diversification element there with China but you should leave and then your company should leave, but they're different things. And if your company leaves, do I have assets to sell? You can't just take a very successful company and say, I'm shutting it down and I'm moving it over here. You may have assets to sell, IP or customer lists or whatever else that you just sell to your new company. How do you value that as little as possible to where you pay as little tax on the exit as possible? On the personal side, some countries have exit taxes. You've got a business worth 2 million. You should pay a capital gains tax. How do you pay that? it's easier to leave before you have big capital gains. That could be from a business, from crypto, from stocks. The more money you have, the harder it is to leave because you have to potentially pay on any unrealized gains you have. A business worth $2 million that was started with zero is an unrealized gain in many countries. So how are you leaving? How is your business leaving? And then where are you arriving? Again, you know, if you're an American and you wanna spend more than one month back in the US every year, you should ideally be living, none of this is formal tax advice, but you should ideally be living in one place and you should be, have a tax residence there and you should at least have plenty of connections there. I may not have to be tax resident, but there should be a preponderance of evidence that you're living in one place and that's your home. If you wanna be a digital nomad, fine, but that's gonna be a different situation. So where are you gonna be arriving? Do you want to be a digital nomad? Do you want to live my trifecta lifestyle, three different countries, four months a year? Do you wanna move to one place and just travel? That's going to all determine where you pay tax. Obviously, you can move to any high-tax country, but ideally Malaysia, the Philippines, Singapore, Thailand are all more relatively tax-friendly places in Asia. The UAE, Ireland, Malta, Cyprus, UK, Greece, Italy, and Portugal all have tax exemptions. Switzerland is a very expensive tax exemption. You know, Chile has tax exemptions. There's lots of countries that have different levels of tax exemptions, tax loopholes, whatever you want to call them. But where it is that you're moving. If you live in three places, four months a year each, it depends on what those countries are. If it's Colombia, Montenegro, and Malaysia, none of them are going to tax you. But now I go back to, is that good enough for the place that you left? I have a friend from Norway and another friend from Finland. They, along with Mexicans have to live in a certain list of countries for the first three years when they're leaving or else life gets nasty so that their country kind of restricts them where they go for the first three years. Mexico, Norway, and Finland are the ones I'm aware of. So mm. where are you arriving, right? I mean, for him, he had to arrive in Portugal. He had another choice. He'd like to go to Dubai, but he can't. So where are you arriving and, and what way? If you want to, again, live my trifecta lifestyle, three different countries, maybe one of them taxes you because they, there's a preponderance of time. If it's Spain, maybe they'll step in and say, hey, you spent enough time here, we'll tax you. If you don't pay in somewhere else. But again, how does that play with where you left? And then the last part is, where's your business arriving? This is where most people focus on. They just think, I left Australia. I never said anything, but I'm gone. And I moved the company to the UAE. By the way, I had a guy the other day, his income all comes from royalties. The UAE doesn't help with that. There's no tax treaty with the US and the UAE for his YouTube and music royalties. He's going to pay more in the UAE than he would living in Ireland, for example. Or Thailand. Because there's no tax treaty on royalty tax reduction he's gonna pay the top rate but he thought oh dubai set up a company you're done hardly so this is the hardest part of where do you put your company and probably if you're if you're doing sourcing like if you're like we had guys who they do e-commerce they have to collect money through after pay for example and they want a certain company structure and then what they'll do is the entrepreneur will say well i need a u.s or an australian structure or whatever that's where after pay will pay me Just as an example maybe it's not the case anymore but no that should be a billing company and you should pay two percent of that company's you know revenue and tax and then move the rest of it to the offshore structure by you know establishing there's no other nexus in the billing company but people think i'll just keep this australian company because i you know i have to have it for this reason and you don't i mean you might have to have multiple places where your company is going or you might need to move 98 percent of your business overseas but keep the structure in your company just to collect some customer payments so this is where the complications come in, but you have to factor all four of those quadrants. If you miss one, it's not going to work. So happy to take any questions on that from you, Mike.
0: Okay. Great.
1: So that's, uh, and then I think we've got one more piece here. Obviously, you know, if we're here, we understand, you know, places that people are competing for our business. Countries are competing for our business. The UAE did impose a corporate tax rate. If you follow a certain set of rules, you can still use the free zone companies at zero. Those are still competitive. I do think Hong Kong and UAE are probably some of our most popular ones now. If you want to live in Europe, Italy is more open to where you're structured. So if you live in Italy, they've got like a a lump sum tax you can pay. That may be easier than Portugal's tax regime, which is where you start getting companies in Malta and stuff like that. So living in Europe definitely adds a layer of complexity. Ireland and Italy are two of the easier ones to live in that are tax friendly, that allow you to work towards citizenship, Ireland more easily. If you want to live in Asia, where it's more... You know, easy going, in terms of the rules. Then the UAE and Hong Kong are still the most popular ones. We are doing some stuff with the Isle of Man. We think the Cayman Islands is needlessly pretentious and overcomplicated. Bahamas has kind of suffered a blow from the FTX thing. So I think Isle of Man, UAE free zones, Hong Kong are still among the most popular places. We don't do we do BVI sometimes, depending on the kind of structure, British Virgin Islands. We're not doing the Seychelles. I saw one of our free zones in the UAE. We're opening up Seychelles companies. Like, what is it, 1972? I mean, don't have a say. Se- Marshall Islands, Seychelles, Belize, throw them in the trash. You can't bank with them almost anywhere. I mean, good luck. So, you know, those are where you can set it up. But we have employees all over the world. So we have staffing companies. You can use EORs. I'm sure some people here use EORs like Deal to employ people. But, you know, if I have someone in Germany for 15 months, they're an employee, whether I like it or not. And I'm going to be taxed to some level based on having a nexus in Germany. So you might set up a staffing company. You know, we have people in Georgia, for example. We've got a Georgian company, and then the, the operating company pays the Georgian company. We pay a little bit of tax on top of the payroll taxes, and it segregates those people in their work from the operating company's profits and taxes. So... I put in a video a couple of weeks ago and kind of, it's called my perfect offshore structure, the four part offshore structure. You know, do you need a holding company or a trust? That's up to you for asset protection. I think a lot of entrepreneurs probably over romanticize that stuff. You need an operating company. You may need the subsidiaries to collect payments and you may need a staffing company that employs people in certain countries to where you don't get in trouble or have their work basically be, you know, basically have a a physical or a, a permanent establishment for your, let's say, UAE company, you don't want a permanent establishment somewhere else. The, kiss of, the ultimate kiss of death is having like salespeople in the U.S. and some other Western countries. You will be taxed. I don't care if you're in Hong Kong. I don't care if you're in the UAE. You will be taxed in the U.S. We don't hire people, generally speaking, in the U.S. for that reason. I would never hire a salesperson, but even other people, it's like that could be a, a tax nexus. I don't want that. Mm, so, got it. And if you live in the US, then forget it. I mean, if you live in Australia, forget it. I mean, you can't use offshore companies. They'll be considered a CFC if you live in the country. So you've got to live offshore to the satisfaction of wherever you're living to where they're considering you out of the tax net or at least foreign income qualifying if you're a US. And you've got to make sure you don't create other things that get in the way. So it's about 45 minutes. I mean, we could go into this. For yeah, no,
0: I mean, I think it's good. I think we can go into the questions. There was a... Unless you want to add more, but yeah, there's some good ones. I think well, I'll start it, or let me show them on stage. So there's a Q and A tab, but I guess Joan, she's also in some of our web three stuff. That's I guess she's yeah. Australian and doesn't know what's happening in Australia, but I think you talked
1: about that. Let me just talk about this real quick and I'll, I'll get to the Yeah, questions.
0: please talk about your events. Yes, yes.
1: Obviously we work with the clients in this stuff on an ongoing basis. And I think we have kind of a premium offering because I believe that, you know, for my own situation, there's a lot of complexity. And I, a lot of other people, they do too. The, I'm just moving to Dubai and my problems are solved. I found four holes in that guy's strategy in about 60 seconds. He's actually going to pay more living there. For folks who are here, I think, you know, I've been to, to Mike's events before and he did a good job. We're sending someone to Mike's event this year.
0: Yeah, yeah, thanks for your support.
1: I We're putting together an event that I think for what the stuff we're talking about if you're not sure what to do, or you're trying to gather ideas or you're trying to maybe dispel all the misconceptions, we don't take, we're having, we're having an event in Kuala Lumpur. It's at one of my favorite hotels in the world of Majestic. It's this September 6th through 9th. We have a, a $1,500 discount now. If you want to bring friends, business partners, lovers, what have you, it's like 80% off the main price for persons two, three, and four. It is a bit more of an expensive event. We don't take sponsors. No one can pay to speak. In our space, in the offshore space, most events are every single person paid to speak. Or there's some 15% commission on the back end. Which if you're selling real estate, for example, a 15% commission is ridiculous. We don't even get into that stuff. But if you want to go, promo code is is Michelini, Mike's last name. Go to nomadcapitalistcom slash live and just enter that code. We have some great people talking about crypto. We have people talking about, you know, mostly our own R&D staff on tax issues, personal and business, immigration, whether it's low-level, high-level, golden visas, passports, we don't talk about anymore publicly. I mean, basically every part of global citizenship is covered at the event. And I think it's a great way to dip your toe in for folks here who are Asia-centric. You know, it's in Kuala Lumpur, which is nearby. It's a great place. You're very close to Singapore. If you wanted to go there and open bank accounts or stuff like that. But our events really, I mean, years ago we hosted events, and maybe there were some folks who were like, uh we've held we've held two events called Nomad Capitalist Live in Mexico the last two years. I don't know of anybody who their head didn't explode with information. And that's why I don't take sponsors, that's why we don't allow anyone to pay to speak. Because I want it to be we just jam-pack it with everything you need to know. So the stuff we're talking about today, I, I wish we could go on for hours and hours, but you're looking to kind of learn how this stuff works and be able to come to a Q&A and ask questions of our strategy team that does this for the clients, I think it's a worthy investment of a couple thousand dollars. If you don't live in Asia, you know, for someone from the U.S., come to Prince Court Medical Center and get your $300 soup to nuts medical exam as True I just did. Amazing. Yeah. If you're not from the region, 300 bucks, they look you up top to bottom, and you actually get to talk to the doctor. That'll the savings. It's like 10 grand in the US. You'll, you'll pay for the ticket, you'll pay for the trip. But anyway, we, we'll get to your questions. But I, if you like anything about global citizenship, at least just check out nomadcapitalist.com/slash live. If you book it, please use promo code Michelinian. You get your $1,500 discount. You get the discount on everybody ad. add. I think it's a great entree to folks who may be already doing this stuff, but want to tighten up their strategy. Or if you want to start or if you're missing the citizenship part, rather than coming on board as, let's say, a client, this way you kind of get your ducks in a row first and figure out what you're lacking and help to kind of hone your strategy in person. It's a Q&A. It's hundreds of like-minded people. And so I'd love to have the, the group come in and join us for that. And we got a big speaker, by the way, Mike, on July 1st. We're announcing just days okay. away.
0: Okay. I can't wait, man. Yeah, From I, I linked in the... Michalini. Michelini. Awesome. Awesome. That's yeah. I linked it also, but yeah, it's an easy one to remember nomadcapitalistcom slash live, and, uh, yeah. live, live in the flesh. Someone's actually asking if you're where your office is. I said, I don't think, I think you're completely remote. Right. I mean, it...
1: so we have, I guess, technically an office. We got one guy in Dubai who works at the free zone there. We have owned, we have buildings that we bought in We had a very Eastern European focus because it was good English, it was affordable. People had some get up and go. So we own offices kind of like right off the main squares in Belgrade, in Tbilisi, Georgia, and in Yerevan, Armenia. I think we're going to kind of pivot away from two of those and still keep some of the people, but but working at home. But we've kind of been expanding the team more internationally. So we're all over the place. And then we're opening up a, a space in Ireland. We've got, I think, six people there so far.
0: And we're exactly. going to figure
1: out how to open that office. So, I mean, the the headquarters are in Dubai. We have a presence still in Hong Kong, but nobody works there. We have a U.S. entity as well; nobody works there. So, it's kind of like the ultimate flank theory, as they would call it. It's have your companies in places that are convenient, but have your workforce somewhere else. So, we do we do own three office buildings, not not, not the whole building, but you know, office spaces, and we have a couple others that we lease. And and so it's 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 an evolution. We're, we're we're consolidating there's no real place people come and like knock on the door hello can i come in i mean obviously we uh, you know what we do i'm sure some people some people think you shouldn't have the right to lower your taxes
0: you know yeah there's those crazy people i mean even in my family it's like that honestly
1: <laughs> and i don't know that we want people just coming in like no i don't think like a big sign or something i mean it's not a secret to the clients where we are but you know i don't know that we want people coming in like knocking on the door
0: yeah i agree i i met PayPal in Hong Kong, and I said, where's your office? They're like, we can't tell
1: people because they'll, <laughs> they'll
0: the, the death, death threats.
1: Yeah. yeah I never had <laughs> a problem with PayPal, but everyone else has a problem with PayPal. <laughs> yeah, I have problems with PayPal.
0: I but, would uh, yeah, no was with China PayPal US. Outside.
1: I wouldn't be doing PayPal Hong Kong. I think the, this, this is where you need a multi-part structure probably. If I have a Hong Kong company, I want to have like a US or European company to run my PayPal through and save myself 3% probably worth it so anyway because hong kong paypal is really squirrely
0: yeah i mean they're they can just steal your money because they're not a bank right so they can just uh, just take your money that's how i yeah
1: we don't we never had them (laughs) do that but like we can't even close our account and so we have to like audit it every year like to be conservative and just like it's like at least in the u.s they let you close it so so my advice would be just have a multi-part have a two-part structure if you're in hong kong and do your payment processing elsewhere yeah anyway Okay. So uh,
0: I think we talked about the Australia one. So uh, Mark, I guess she was just learning about that. There's I, I soon... think the, the simple
1: answer is what they're doing is they're just consolidating various rulings. It's kind of very boring tax stuff. And obviously we have tax attorneys and CPAs that we work with. I mean, we're kind of a general contractor. I'm not like a tax attorney myself. But you know, obviously we talked to these guys for so many years. What it is is we had a bunch of rulings that define what's a resident we've merged them together. and We've made some changes. And the, the basic interpretation from a number of international tax people in Australia is this is basically saying that we're going to start saying if you're a digital nomad, that that may not be enough to break the residency test. There's four tax tests in Australia. One is the days test, which people commonly misunderstand in Australia and other countries. They think, oh, 183 days in a year, I'm a tax resident. They then think the opposite is true. By the way, there are some situations if, you've got a, okay, if you go to the U.S. and you spend seven months and you've got a closer connection somewhere else, you may be able to not pay tax even though you failed the day's test. But j- people think the opposite of the day's test is true. If you're under 183, that somehow you're home free. And that's not really it because there's all the other tests that also instruct it. And if you're from wow, Australia, yeah. for example, or from Canada, and you're 182 in Canada, and then you're three months here and three months there, Canada is still the number one place. And you're assumed almost to have been from there because like that's where you've been living. So you really have to show them I'm really leaving and living six months there, but one day less. And then three months in, like they're like, yeah, you didn't really leave. That's not enough for us. And so there's four tests in Australia and they kind of strengthen how they look at the residency rules. I'm sure some people will disagree and, and some have, but all of our... Yeah, day- I mean,
0: it's like the thing there's always... Some people say taxes is an is negotiation with the government. <laughs> it's kind of like I, a negotiation.
1: Way, that did come up. Oh, you can get a private ruling. And a, it's like, do you want to spend the next five years in court with the with the tax man because you just because <laughs> oh that was not really the former. It's now at. The, I mean, come on.
0: Got it. Okay, well, let's go soon. she's asking. She's from Canada, and her accountant told her she doesn't have to pay taxes if she's away from Canada for two years. Well, like
1: away is it not coming back at all?
0: She's in the, in the audience, I think still, but uh, it just says oh, gone for, away from Canada for two
1: years. So the goal when you leave a country like Canada is to break the tax residence. I like, got uh, but please, I'm not giving- this is, Yeah,
0: like, I, think, control, I right? think it's gonna be hard to uh, go into big, she says so, yes. I, mean, I But I mean, the
1: general rules are you have to break your tax residence. And so, I mean, the longer you're away, the better, the less time you spend, the better. I think what people get into trouble is when they try and like ride the line. an american you can also move to puerto rico you've got to meet one of three tests well you've got to meet three tests and you've got to do it in one of three ways and so you know people who are like i'll just do the bare minimum that's going to be a problem so if it's like oh leave forever and never come back for two years i guess but there's, there's other factors besides just your physical presence Do you have a home for example i remember we had a case where we were really talking to the lawyers about like a person had like a log cabin for the summer like is that a house you know, and it's an issue for some folks. They don't want to cancel their lease. They don't want to rent out or sell their home. Like, so there's other factors. But yeah, I mean, I guess if you leave a country for two years, that's a pretty strong indication you don't want to come okay. back. That said, I mean, you can get back into a tax net. I think I could go to Australia now and if I overstay my visa or something, and I spend too long, I could be taxed. I mean, it doesn't, it's not like you can't get back into it.
0: So yeah. I guess she's asking what country she has to pay taxes. She's not in Canada. She has no assets there, but I feel like it's a little bit specific. I don't know. How, I know it's already almost at the one hour mark, Andrew.
1: I'll just quickly tell you, I mean, I, I, there's different ways to do it. And what's interesting is that, again, there's individual circumstances based on how many ties you have to the country. Again, now Australia is saying maybe it won't even matter how many ties. That was what was in the ruling. It may not even matter how many ties you have to Australia if you if we don't like the way you're handling the residence part of the test. So it depends. But I mean... For example, in some countries, I mean, there's, you can go to some countries and you can spend a month, pay them $20,000 and then be a tax resident, but you can't spend more than six months anywhere else. So if you're a digital nomad, that's a tax residence. Our interpretation with our, our tax guy's interpretation was Australia is not going to be so open to that anymore. Right. So that's a place where technically you're paying tax to give you a tax resident certificate. You tell your bank, I pay tax in this place. There's even there's even a country where you spend like one day per year there. And actually they're, they're they're tightening their rules. But one day per year, as long as you have some money or some income, they'll give you tax residence. And then again, you can't spend six months somewhere else. But I, you know, that may not apply to everybody in every situation. If you go and spend six months or more and you really make a home and you can make a case like this is my bona fide place of living, generally speaking, that's probably good enough as long as you clear up the ties on your departure. Then the issue is where am I? If I want to go somewhere for six months, where's that going to be? I mean, it has to be a tax-friendly place, either tax-free like the UAE, territorial tax, which has some restrictions like a Thailand. You can't remit money under certain circumstances, non dom like in Ireland, tax exclusion like Italy or Greece or, well, no, like more like Portugal, a lump sum like Switzerland or Italy or Greece. There's five different ways you can move, five different types of tax scenarios you could move to, and you could spend the entire year there if you want to and pay zero or some predefined amount. So that works. You have to pick any of those, Got it. and then and then again comes in. Do I have royalty income from YouTube, from book sales, from music? Okay, well now do I, I want a tax treaty? And does my country have a tax treaty? I mean, some do. There's a lot of factors.
0: Got it. Yeah. Okay. Thanks Four four more. I don't know. Okay, hit uh, me, uh, so Muhammad says hi, Andrew. I know you're a fan of Malaysia. I'm wondering if there's any point to Malaysian passports since benefits are more relevant to higher income individuals. I'm Malaysian, I- by the way.
1: Yeah, i don't think you're gonna get malaysian passport. oh does he have a
0: malaysian passport he's already malaysian i guess he's just curious about foreigners in his country i, mean, I know you're a fan of malaysia i'm wondering yeah. if there's a point to the malaysian passport since most benefits that are more relevant to higher income individuals are open to foreigners
1: oh right i forget you know i i, I forget some of the we've had some people who like their wife is malaysian or they used to be malaysian they became australian so I, I honestly I forget exactly like like what rights I feel I feel like you get you get some kind of permanent residence in certain cases or like they look at you like you can keep your my cat like your ID. I feel like there's something you can hold on to and they don't really care. I feel like Malaysia also doesn't really isn't very strict on enforcing the no-dual citizenship. I mean, I know Malaysians who have three passports, and I feel like as long as you don't flaunt it, they almost kind of tell you they don't care. Some of the border guys, like just don't show us that. I mean, if you were to get Maltese citizenship, they, re- they report to your country of tax residence. And so that probably would trigger somebody in Putrajaya, I guess, to say you're, you're canceled. I mean, a Malaysian passport's great. They're not going to bother you no matter where you live. I mean, I think the only country you need a visa to is basically the U.S., maybe Canada. I'm not sure. So a great passport. I mean, I, do I want insurance against that? I, I, I'd want less insurance against Malaysia than against Australia or Canada. I feel like if you're, in a, if you're a Malaysian and you ever got tired of it, you just go and live somewhere else. I mean, Malaysia already does not tax foreign income, even of its own citizens. And I think there's a political reason for that. They've talked about kind of pulling that back in 2026. But I'm not convinced that all those politicians with money overseas are going to want to get rid of that. So I, I, I think being Malaysian is fine. But you're not going to become Malaysian, I don't think. And I wouldn't try to become Malaysian. I mean, I guess if you're a Kosovo football player and hey. your passport is trash, I would take it. But otherwise... Just live there. there used
0: to be the MM2H, but that whole blow-up, I heard. I, I, I don't I know. They a raise the requirements
1: hole. a lot. You got to make like $9,000 a month, and you have to deposit like two hundred dollars I mean, the ring it's down now, which is part of why it'll be a great time to come to our event and everything's cheap. But it's like $9,000 a month in income, and like know, I'm, I'm estimating 210 dollars 220 dollars in the bank. It's okay. not the end of the world, but I mean, it's, it's more than it was.
0: Great. Okay. Julius Everett asked, uh, I know Portugal ranked quite high on your passport index. I'd be curious to learn more about Portugal's golden visa requirements. Is real estate still an option?
1: Well, so they they said they were canceling the golden visa this year. And now they're saying, okay, well, we're going to bring it back without the real estate because it's a political thing, right? People were complaining as they are in many places of the world. Foreigners are coming in, buying our property and our prices are going up. So I think what they're probably gonna keep is investment funds, which I always thought was one of the better ones anyway. And a lot of the investment funds do invest in various kinds of real estate. So it's kind of a way to get a more tax advantaged, more hands-off way to invest. Um, so I th- we'll see what they bring back. It seems like the investment funds may survive and some of those are in real estate. Right. Um, we'll, be t- we'll be talking about that in September because I think what, the dust will have settled and we're gonna kind of lay out all the different golden visa options. If the goal is to get citizenship, Without living there, Portugal is really the only one that ever did that. If the goal was to live there and get citizenship or to not live there and not need citizenship, then the other ones could work. Portugal is a good passport. I don't know that the EU is as likely to tax foreign citizens, especially like Portugal, which has like a diaspora, history of immigration. They have kind of a maritime culture historically. It's a good passport. I've lost some confidence in them, honestly, in their ability to execute. So... I mean, it, it, if if I say I'm going to make a decent investment that I think I can recover in six, eight, ten years, whatever the investment is, and I'm willing, and I have the optionality to live in Europe without the requirement to do more than seven days a year, and I've got a decent chance at naturalization, and I'm willing to put up with some some bumps along the way. It's not a bad option, but I would not look at it as a guarantee. Caribbean citizenship, Turkish citizenship is guaranteed. CBD once you qualify is probably guaranteed.
0: Okay, thanks so much. Austin saying, what's your take on passport by lineage for Poland? I think he's saying in presence, great-grandfather, last descendant, I believe.
1: I think great-grandparents are allowed for Poland. I, I, To be honest, I have some team members who are much more up on the CBDs, and they're the ones who are talking about it at the event. I mean, they're they're going to cover it. Obviously, we do that service as a standalone. You could just, you know, call us. I thought at one point for certain people there was a language requirement, but it seems like a lot of times there isn't. So I, I don't remember everything about Poland, but I do believe great grandparents qualify for Poland if you meet the other conditions. And I think, you know I've had Polish people or people with Polish ancestry say, I don't I don't wanna live in Poland. Again, if you have an, a European Union member state citizenship, you can not only live in all the other ones. Plus, I mean, Polish citizenship got better in the last year. You can now go to the US without a visa. So if you are some other Western citizen, that's a nice backup, which probably, again, Poland has a history of immigration to some extent. Are they as likely to make it impossible to leave? Probably not. And I think if you're a European, even if they did make it impossible to leave, they would make it possible to leave within the other countries. And you know, you'd always have an Ireland who says, OK, come here and don't pay much tax. Or Malta, OK, come here and don't pay much tax. So you have options, I think, that other, people's, other people don't. I would, I'd be Polish. Sure, why not? And great grandparents cool. should qualify. Yeah.
0: Thanks. And last one, but not least, Homer Simpson. <laughs> oh. What? Which country outside USA has lowest yearly registration fee for setting up corporation? Does not have that. Does not have tax or, or audits for a purely equity holding company.
1: <laughs> oh. Well, I mean, the UAE now has these audits, even in some of the free zones. So I mean, I think audits are becoming a thing. I mean, yeah, the US LLC, for example, is obviously very cheap to set up in some states. Some of them never have any ongoing fees at all, other than like a registered agent. Yes,
0: he says um, outside US. So, but uh, well, I mean, yeah, that's the right, thing I've I mean, learned
1: too. Like outside US, they have higher,
0: you know, maybe lower tax, but they have us like audits and upkeeps. To, you know, like Hong Kong. Well, I mean, it was, it's, it's,
1: it's like you know, it's a, what is it? What what do some things cost so much? I mean, because they're worth it, right? I mean, I. I recently was I recently made an offer on a house that was like thirty percent cheaper than all the other houses, and I thought, okay, I can renovate this. And it turns out it was going to cost three million euros to renovate this house, and and it's like two million more than I thought it than I was hoping. And It's like, yeah, that's the reason it's so cheap, and yet it's still too expensive. So, I mean, if I'm an American, a US LLC alone is not enough. If I'm not an American, I I still think given some of these residency rules, just having an LLC zone is a is a problem. So. I mean, I don't know. I guess the offshore jurisdictions like the BVI aren't that expensive. to me. I mean, Belize, I guess, but it's trash. I mean, I think you're paying for a combination of low tax, efficiency, reputability. Those are all important. I mean, so what's a UAE free zone? If you want to be in the fancy ones, it's expensive. If you want to be in one of the cheaper ones, it's, I don't know, four grand a year or something. I mean, it's money well spent. I mean, Hong Kong, the audits are the issue, right? I I guess
0: they call it, nobody likes audits, you know, I, I, yeah.
1: Listen, I mean, there are times, I, okay, I have a company in the BVI for purely holding equities. There are some conditions to meet, but there's not an audit yet. So if all I'm doing is just holding stocks, if it means like stocks, fine. If all I'm doing is holding my shares in a certain, fine. Something like that could work. But if you plan to like, okay, I have a thing now where can you send me dividends? We have a bank in the U.S. that's willing to, in some cases, open for their existing account holders, accounts for, like, foreign companies. It's pretty rare. I mean, try getting a bank account for a BVI company. I mean, Singapore has pretty much gotten rid of those, you know. Maybe Switzerland if you pay them 6000 But now you're paying, I was, I was quoted, 12,000 francs a year to have an account in Switzerland. So, so much for cheap, right? Um, so, I mean, do you need to receive a dividend payment or some money? I mean, I wouldn't like, you know, I mean, it's a it depend. i mean maybe the bvi could work in some cases but uh, i mean even we've had guys with crypto holding they just want to hold crypto and all right the marshall island's fine whatever nobody cares because the exchange doesn't care you just need to title it somewhere but i I think generally speaking it's a problem
0: great Again, lots of thank yous well to me too but people are all happy with these uh, your answers like julius and Mohammed. many there's one last chat question from yeah, yeah. fernando Maybe if you want to squeeze, he's asking any countries offering interesting passports in exchange for investments in local REITs versus directly buying real estate.
1: I'll I'll, I'll give you a salesy answer on that because all the other answers, I mean, the reality is we could probably answer the question for two or three hours on end with all the different permutations. On this question, I'll say there are countries where you can make REITs. I mean, Ireland just closed the IIP, which had an exclu- exclusive like 2 million euros in REITs, and then you get access. But you don't, you don't need to do that to live in Ireland. You just need to start a company and hire one person that's much more efficient than putting 2 million into REITs. We're going to be talking about at the event what I call the paper residences, where you make some kind of bank deposit or real estate investment, and you don't necessarily have to live it to live there. We really try not to put those out publicly, which is part of why we don't record the event, because you know Paraguay had something like that. And it got abused because it was just out there for everybody. And uh, now it's tough. And that was a good passport to have. So I mean, we'll be talking about some of those. REITs in particular, I'm mean, I'm trying to think maybe some version of a REIT. I'm trying to I don't know, it should be on the tip of my tongue. But real estate, bank accounts, investment accounts, bond accounts, those are all possible from, you know, twenty thousand, fifty thousand, two hundred thousand. Um, so that's the kind of stuff we'll be we'll be talking about. And awesome. I think it's a opportunity for someone to come that boy that's like a 30 minute presentation just so you know at the at the
0: yeah
1: end. We talk about these kind yeah. of exclusive like, these kind of like weird passports where you put 50 grand and kind of come back in three years obviously they could change the rules in those countries so it's maybe a good idea to have a couple of them rather than like banking yeah, yeah, yeah. like my only hope of escaping australian tax is that this one country does what they promise but That's half an hour out of four days of materials. So you can imagine how much we're going to talk about.
0: Yeah. Um, Plus just the, plus the hallway chats and the people, the other people there. I'm, I'm coming at Andrew. So I'm, I'm locking my ticket.
1: So yeah. I I, I think think it's truly. uh, we, obviously we have a certain marketing angle as I know you do. But for me, this is all about, you know, the customer experience, which is again, I don't want sponsors. I don't want some sponsor telling me what I'm supposed to say or not say. So it's kind of like, do you want to be the customer or do you want to be the product? We're talking about exhibiting for the first time at an event this year. All their money is made from, ex- from sponsors and exhibitors. It's like, Thanks, how am I Fernando. getting any good information? Like, you're just basically paying to be sales pitched. So, yeah. anyway.
0: Yeah, Kenrod's a good, yeah. Fernando seems like he'll, this, he says he'll have to come to find the rest. He'll be, seems like he'll be nah, there. Was, so.
1: I was, you know, you got to have a little, I mean, you know, I was, I was saying, <laughs> for all the entrepreneurs here, people might say, oh, you know, your business has decent margins. And I said to myself, if you wanted to go and spend, if you went to some guy where we're from, Mike, in like in the U.S., and you said, "Hey, do you want to spend 12 years of your life going through some of the hell holes of the world and then employing people to do the same to figure out?" It's like if you were to pay someone what the average person would need to be, I'd have I'd have zero margin at all, right? I mean, there's there's something to be said about. I think there's a lot of opportunities in lesser known markets, but it's very opaque. I think we hopefully will clear up some of that and give you some good stuff at the event. And uh, obviously, we put okay. out you know daily content on YouTube. So, I appreciate you having me, though.
0: No, it's fun. We had fun. These are fun, great, great stuff. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll see you there. Look, we haven't we haven't met in years, so I'll, I'll see you there. You then, well, you, yeah, yeah, yeah you're just COVID yeah. cross, cross border summit too after in November. So it's a good combo and uh, thanks thanks for yeah i always love our exchanges and uh, thanks for sharing especially all this extra time and getting everybody's questions and uh, yeah everybody's really really happy so thank you thank you thanks, Andrew. thank you everybody Looking for forward. your time good to yes. have you, cheers. cheers and thank you to our sponsor our returning sponsor mercury.com online bank well it's a real bank but you can totally online for us our blimp program participants are going through this as well thank you mercury travis is great there he's been on our show he's been in our events we're gonna have another event where we will have them attending as well and if you want to get a little bonus for you and us if you sign up and do some special circumstances you can go to globalformation.com mercury i also have a video tutorial that we use even for the blimp people use the same exact video to learn how to use it i hope you can check it out, totally free, why not? See you there. All right, thank you, Andrew, for sharing that. Is a, that was a really in-depth one all around the world talking about business and personal taxes and citizenships and residencies and answering various questions from the live audience at the webinar at Global Asia. So thanks so much, Andrew. Actually, both my Capitalist and Global Asia is about the same age, 10 years each. So that's really cool. And, you know, of course, you could use his services for your own specific help, like some pretty specific questions, even during the webinar. He does services to help you out. Also, he's got the live event, September 6th, 7th, 8th, and 9th in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. You can also meet up with me there. They're also supporting Cross Border Summit, sending somebody to our events November 16th, and 17th in Chiang Mai, Thailand. Lots of cool stuff happening in Asia. Lots of cool stuff happening. in A world of cross-border trade, online business. I guess you can say digital nomads. But basically, we are the new, the new world order. <laughs> Reference that in the talk. But we are the future. You know. I think we have to keep our minds open. We have to keep. Trying new things, learning new things, being aware of the changes in the world between countries and policies, and there's so much happening. There's something I'll be announcing soon. It will actually already be online as the show goes online about a new project and protocol we're building on the load pipe. Yes, you guys might have heard that over the years. It's going to change everything we do here, it's going to change everything in the world we're pretty sure about, and I'll be sharing that in the future. But thanks again for watching episode 404. GlobalFromAsia.com. find the show notes there thank you for watching thank you for listening thank you to our sponsors cross Better logistics which we use ourselves thank you to mercury for being our one of our cornerstone podcast sponsors over the years we also use them for our cross border payments and in, in the u.s and our, our online banking thank you for everybody for supporting this thank you for our team editing this and making this go live. I think our team is doing amazing work. Thank you, Alvin, LJ, and Manly, Stephanie, everybody. We got so much to do. It's halfway through the year. I am sweating. I got to turn the fan back on after this recording is done. Thanks again. And we got so much to do. So much to do. Take care.